It's Divas That Care Radio, stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Hello, and welcome to the Metaphysical Mastery Podcast. This is a mother and daughter podcast, really diving into metaphysical topics and some musings between a mom and daughter. I'm the daughter. My name is Kate Nelligan, and I'm so excited to introduce you to my mom, Peggy Nelligan. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Mom. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. This is um, a, a chance for me to talk a little bit about my passion, which is metaphysics, and with my daughter, um, and to introduce you to the Metaphysical Center as well, because uh, there's a lot that's happening in that area. Yeah, so my mom was the director of the Metaphysical Center for many years, and I am a life and business coach, and I partner with horses, goats, and nature to really help people with personal and professional transformation. And today we are diving into a topic called goddesses, and we picked it really because it is International Women's uh, Month, Women's History Month, and we wanted to really honor the divine feminine today. So I'm really passionate. I um, asked my mom to put together a bunch of awesome information about this topic. It's something that I personally have explored over the last few years and have many friends um, in the space and also that are both teachers and students of the space. So, Mom, why don't we start with um, just a little bit of the history of goddesses and like where did the where did that term come from where did that concept and topic come from um and then i know you also have a little interesting tidbit about the science as well so let's do some historical concepting around it okay sounds good kate um yeah i think the idea of goddess came from um the worship of female deities um, probably, well, you know, it's so interesting because sometimes they talk about about 7,000 years ago and some say that it actually goes back to 30,000 years ago during the Paleolithic and Neolithic ages. And the concept was basically um, honoring women and because it was um, an agrarian culture all over. And so the mother was the important. It wasn't women in general. It was the mother. And so the idea of a mother goddess, somebody would bring um, new life to the earth uh, when we planted crops and, you know, things would grow. So they were honoring that concept of the feminine, um, but it was basically the mother feminine that was being honored uh, in an agrarian type of society. So what's interesting about this area, this time period that I was researching, that very often they refer to it as a matrilineal um, society where things were passed from mother to daughter rather than, as we have been used to for the last several thousand years, uh, of a patrilineal society of societies where things are passed from the father to the son. Now, there are still some, but very, very few matrilineal societies. But in the past, 
um, as I said, thousands of years ago, this was more common. What is fascinating is the discussion or argument, whatever you want to call it, between what was considered a matriarchy versus the patriarchy. Now, that's, that word has more to do with the power, the way the society or the culture was governed, whether it was governed by men or governed by women, not so much just the passing down of assets and name and so forth. And there's, as I said, there's a little bit of, of a discussion here because a lot of times um, there's a disagreement that it was a matriarchy that it was really an egalitarian society where both men and women ruled. Um, men had roles, women had roles, but it was ruled equally. And there are others that disagree with it and say, no, no, it was definitely <laughs> a matriarchy in the sense that the women were in charge. And, of course, there were cultures like that. We've heard of the Amazon women. Um, their society was ruled uh, both governmentally and socially by women. And so there there probably is some information we still have to find out about this historically, archaeologically, anthropologically, whatever, that we don't know for sure yet. But we do know because of the many, many Venus statues or what they label Venus statues that have been found throughout the world that the female, the feminine, was honored in some way. And so this idea of the goddess being um, the feminine ruler, god, whatever you want to call creator of the universe. But there's so much... Um, it's fascinating when you look at the different goddesses, and every culture has them. Um, you know, whether you're going back to ancient Greece and Rome, whether you're looking at uh, religions like Buddhism and Hinduism, or whether you're talking about, um, you know, societies and cultures that honor goddess today, such as in the Hawaiian culture with Pele. Um, so... I think the idea is just that the goddess or mother figure has been very, very prominent. And um, it's, it's, there's an interesting background from it metaphysically as well. So I can get into that, Kate, if you're interested. Yeah, well, I think what's interesting is that there's – I mean, this topic's important because – if you look at the United States, we haven't even had a female president, right, in our history. Um, we use the word history instead of herstory. I like to use history and herstory. Um, God is such a masculine concept in Christian religion. And I love when people say, dear God, dear goddess, or, you know, our master's program that we both attended in spiritual psychology said, Mother, Father, God, right? Like, that mm -hmm. was our prayer when we opened up class and called in the light. Um, and it's also important to remember that the masculine and the feminine is in all of us, and also that there's healthy feminine and unhealthy feminine, and healthy masculine and unhealthy masculine. And I've been thinking about that a lot, even just this week. Um, how those dynamics play out. But, yeah, I think it's it's interesting because in history it's been one or the other. And part of what metaphysics is starting to bring light to or share is that ideally in the future it's a more we have a more blended society where it's not a matriarch, it's not a patriarch, because it's not about either or with the sexes. And now you have so much change in 
gender roles and, you know, you've got transgender and you've got, um, you know, gender changes and all this, these interesting, you know, iterations, so to speak. So I think a lot changing um, and we're eventually going to be a society that's more balanced. Isn't that correct, most likely? Absolutely. Absolutely. There, um, many years ago, I don't know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, <clears throat> there was actually a Catholic priest, Pierre uh, Deschardins, who talked about a concept um, in religion that God, whatever source, creator, word you want to use, actually was um, evolving to a plane, a place, instead of calling it the alpha, the beginning, the source, it we're really moving more toward the omega, uh, since the all, the God, God as creator, was alpha and omega. And the alpha was the beginning, and we are now moving toward an omega, um, I don't want to say time, but a period where this is going to happen. We are going to become a more androgynous, uh, society rather than, as you said, either or. Um, the expression that I, I have used and love to use is both and. It is, we already right now have both, um, genders as part of us as the, the religion of Taoism talks about it in terms of yin yang. But when you look at it, um, scientifically, if, if you really go back to the idea of how the atom is formed. Atoms are made up of protons and neutrons. And it's, you know, we assign, even scientists assign the word feminine and masculine to those protons and neutrons with, with uh, neutrons. The masculine is, I'm sorry, not neutrons, electrons. Masculine is the protons and the feminine is the electrons. Um, they dance around each other and it's only when they combine that something called ionization takes place, and that's where the formation of the new atoms comes from. So it's the creative process that occurs with both the feminine and the masculine, and that is true in every aspect of creation as well. It's so interesting you just said ionization. Like when you said ionization, like what I heard for the first time was, like that's why I love the beach so much, because you've got the sun, which is often this like, thought about as masculine energy the moon is feminine I mean, you've got the sun and then you've got like the ocean which i think of water is often you know representing the feminine at times very ma- excuse me very go with the flow mm-hmm. the depths the emotions all that so it's interesting because when you sit at the beach you get the ionization right of the you get all that natural ions of the water and it's so healing to be on the sand mm-hmm. so it's why so many people travel to exotic locations but i feel when i lay on the beach to me that's the most goddess energy that's the fastest way for me to get into goddess energy um when i horseback ride is another one but i find that there's really something in that so that's interesting i just that clicked for me for the first time i'm like oh yeah (laughs) that's a good one yeah Um, but ultimately i think that what i find interesting is that so much of our pop culture like we don't really think about the goddess very often in day-to-day life um but you have films like wonder woman or captain marvel that started to show like the female power but often it's through they're still battling things right and they're still in this fight and it's it's been interesting because even our culture has shown a lot 
of movies that really still feature women, feature women as strong and powerful, but still in that, like, battle do, you know, energy rather than the very sort of um, softer, quiet. nurturing, yeah. Right. And I just think it's so interesting because the divine feminine hasn't really been um, honored as a word, but it's, you know, supported, um, exalted, you know, because people don't, in our 3D world, always value this, like, stillness and this quiet and the void and, like, you know, the space that we get to in meditation or just closing our eyes and breathing and doing nothing but being, you know, and that is really, there's so much energy. The horses bring that in a lot. I always think of horses, whether they're male or female, as feminine energies for people. Um, I've often said, (laughs) my first horse, I always said to her, I go, let's dedicate our work to the goddess. And ever since I said that to her, like our partnership got better, our work was more powerful for people. (laughs) And I can get emotional just thinking about it because I still feel that way. Like, well, we need to, I dedicate my, my work with the horses to the goddess, to that energy of the divine feminine, which is like, it literally can heal and change the world if we step into that space more frequently. So anyway, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I could go off on this for hours. <laughs> so bring me back to <laughs> well, the metaphysics or the pieces okay. here. Well, what's interesting is that a lot of this, um, you know, it started really in the 1800s with the suffragette movement and so forth. And then in the 1900s, in in, you know, maybe the 1960s and 70s, there was a movement that actually um, – has started on goddess spirituality. And there's something, it's actually called the goddess movement now. You know, the Wicca religion is kind of tied into it, but it's separate from that as well. There is devotion to the sacred feminine. That's really where it, where it comes down to. Um, it's not a religion. It's, it's non-centralized the way many religions are. But the basic tenet of the, of this philosophy, I guess you could call it, is the idea of what's what's become more powerful now in terms of the feminine movement with the Me Too movement and so on. But the divine feminine is really what is is um, supporting this idea that we move in this direction with higher consciousness because higher consciousness is going to involve neither masculine nor feminine, but a real... Um, there's got to no be there's got to be not no more of this pendulum swing where it's going to be one or the other. Like this is why we're saying the both and it it has to be a complementary polarity of the male and female. Um, I think that's where we're moving definitely. We are, but for now, I feel like we still have to play with the polarity. And I coach a lot of women that are way too much in their masculine, and I was as well for a long time because of corporate America and the 3D like hustle bustle world. And I still have to like, like actively move out of it. One of the things I always suggest is like, can you take a a salt bath before you go out in the evening so you can be in the polarity and be in your feminine? Because I personally don't believe that men want a bunch of like very masculine women (laughs) around them. You know, it's, it's like it, we're not in congruency or alignment. Right. But, um, Ultimately, there's different archetypes of the feminine. And, you know, you have, like, 
the maiden, the mother crone, the nurturer, and the sage. So can we dive in a little bit to these? And then let's, like, highlight a goddess that we may know about that kind of fits into each of these kind of areas. Um, and a lot of this mm-hmm. is based on eight stages of, like, life, too, when we go through things. But you even like to talk about this podcast is like, us representing – you know, different age, like these different archetypes in the mother-daughter connection, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I was really interested as I was doing the research for this. Um, I think a lot of what that those Venus statues represented, as I said, it was really the mother goddess, the idea of, you know, the bringing the new life in, but the concept that really goes across all cultures is something that's often referred to as the trickle goddess, and that's what you mentioned, the the maiden, mother, crone, or virgin, nurturer, sage, whatever words you want to use for it. It's really, um, there are the three stages that we all go through uh, as we go through our life, and so when you look at your own life, we change, our behaviors change at different points based on what we're doing. So you can look at your own life and say, you know, okay, you are still at the maiden stage and I'm probably, I'm probably moved more into the crone stage, honestly. <laughs> I'm more at this stage. But, but the, the thing is, is that there's a part of all of us that is always, always the sage. It's just that ages, we move separate. We we go from one to the other. But as far as what's happening in our life, there there's a part of me. I'm hoping I will never lose that maiden aspect of a goddess, you know, because that is the playful spirit, you know, excitement and energy. Um, I may not be as youthful as I once was, but that on the other hand, there's you who is probably at the sage. There's there's certainly an aspect of you who is the sage aspect of the goddess, has a lot of wisdom, is always looking for change and transformation. Those are qualities of the wise woman. So, you know, you can so look to at break the these goddess. down, like yeah, because you jumped a little bit. The maiden is a child or a young woman, right? A representing mm-hmm. independence and strength. So what age stage does that usually go through, would you say? Well, it, it can be up to a young woman, you know? I mean, it mm-hmm. depends. Um, maiden usually means unmarried. So, but that is not necessarily the truth. It's just, it's the, the if you look at representing independence and strength, where does that occur in your life? So and where what goddess fits in this in this maiden aspect? Would you say which goddess in in which culture? Yeah, like, yeah <laughs> well, well what, if, like the one that comes to mind. Okay, if you look at the Greeks, I think people are probably the most um, comfortable with the Greek myths because we all had to study them at some point in school. So if you look at something like um, Artemis or Athena or Hesiod, even Aphrodite. They are all representative of the maiden aspect. But you've got somebody like Artemis, who is, you know, has often been called the nature girl, whereas Athena was a warrior. Hestia was, the, um, in, in Roman culture, she was called Vesta, and that's where the Vestal virgins who, who protected the hearth 
of the goddess Vesta uh, did their work. So Hestia Vesta, and of course Aphrodite was known as the goddess of love and beauty. So they are representative in Greek mythology of the maiden um, aspect of the goddess. But they're all yeah, very, and you very said Playfulness uh, has more energy, self-confidence, independence. Um, mm-hmm. Often they're exploring, discovering, they're in self-expression and creativity. Um, so, and in nature, it could be associated with like sunrise and spring. So, I love, I love all of that, and I think it's important to know like what where we're. As you mentioned, we have all of them in us, but where we predominantly might fall. Um, mm-hmm. Would you feel like Pele would fit into this? as well um she is was the hawaiian goddess is the hawaiian goddess of fire and she uses the volcanoes to create and recreate uh hawaii um the lava each time she's the goddess of that so she is the goddess of creativity and protection which again that could be considered a maiden goddess because it's, she's certainly creating and doing things, but she's also protecting, which is a mother goddess um, type of behavior. So it's hard to say where she would fall, to be honest with you. Well, and I, the mother is the more mature woman who cares for and nurtures those around her, whether it's through in her mm-hmm. home or volunteering or career, and is associated with that nurturing responsibility and adult adulthood mm-hmm. um and so i think of mother mary i think and it's interesting because mary magdalene i often think of as goddess energy but i would put her in maiden and then mother mary is obviously in this mother space and and it's i you know having been an atheist <laughs> and not and being around being in a, what i'd call like a christian household so to speak right because you were both you and dad were raised very mm-hmm. christian you know mm-hmm. i the Mother Mary figure was something that I didn't identify with really at all, but I knew about. And then, like, it was funny because I went, I remember I went to church with an ax once, and he, and there were so many, like, Mother Mary statues, and I didn't connect until literally, it's interesting because we're merging, we're going to merge Pele and Mother Mary here. I was camping in Tahoe, and in the fire, like, I was just staring into the fire, and I, I don't, I've never really shared the story. I'm surprised I'm sharing it right now, but I saw <laughs> um, the figure of Mother Mary come up through the fire and I was like oh my goodness what just happened and it was very intense and very beautiful and I felt very protected and very nurtured and seen and so ever since then I've been much more connected to that goddess energy and um and I feel like she comes in a lot, too, for my clients, especially ones that are – I work a lot with, like, single moms or women who are going through divorce. Um, and I find that, like, she's always there as a support system, mm. um, regardless of what culture or religion you grew up with, right? Right. Right. Yeah, and, you know, I think the idea of – she she is often, by the way, also compared with um, in the Tibetan Buddhist religion with Tara. They often, um, when they're, when they're doing a comparison of you know different belief systems, they'll look at Tara, who is Tibetan Buddhist as well as a Hindu deity. They compare her with Kuan Yin, who is a Chinese bodhisattva, 
and with Mother Mary in Christianity. So I think the concept is, as you said, the mother concept, whether you call her Mary or Kuan Yin or Tara or whatever. And I think for so many cultures across the earth, I think the idea of Gaia or Mother Earth, you know, each myth will talk about it separately. Like in Greek, you've got Demeter and Persephone, the mother-daughter, you know, um, involved with the underworld and the earth. But Gaia, the mother goddess overall, our own Mother Earth, is really... um, when they talk about the triple goddess, that's often what's revered. And I do believe that may have been what they were thinking of when they made those Venus statues is really, whether it was called Gaia or a specific goddess or whatever, I think that idea of the mother, um, the protector of all and the nurturer and creator of all as well. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned these statues because when I was in Italy for the, like, I literally had one of those, another profound, like, like life-stopping moments where I was looking at the statues and I had almost what I'd call just like a download of thought, which was the beauty and the feminine Venus or statue up on the top was the female. And the column holding up the statue was, the male was the masculine energy and it was like I was like oh that's really in the right relationship with feminine which is that strength and that pillar and that rock like energy of the the masculine supports like the feminine being seen and um you know, appreciated for her beauty and her um, her gifts and all of that, rather than like, unfortunately, in cultures around the United, excuse me, around the world, we still, you know, shroud women in certain cultures, right? And so, it's so different than I think what it was back in these days, where it was like these statues, where it was like, no, we want to put as high as we possibly can the statue of mm-hmm. the goddess feminine, right? Mm-hmm. It was so cool. But they were blended because they weren't just like a statue sitting up. It was like that beautiful column, what felt like the masculine energy, right? Which is, Mm -hmm. let me lift you up higher, right? But we need, we both need to be together, you know? Yeah, Yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, that's great. That was so profound when I saw it in Italy. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is that, that's (laughs) the pairing. Like it was the, I hadn't seen the pairing in like art before at that level, right? So. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, you know, some some religions like um in uh in Judaism, you know, when they when they talk about the tree of life, they the columns that are there's the masculine column and the feminine column, but they're joined, they're come by the central column. And the same thing is true even in the etheric body of the human. You know, we we have two columns that go up on either side of our physical spine. You know, it's called the sashumna in, in you know, metaphysics with that word. But it, we've got the masculine and the feminine. And the crossover is what takes place when that kundalini moves up through the chakras. It, it connects them, always connected. They're not separate, even though it might appear, like as you said, the, this, you know, the statue on the top was feminine, but then the column was there to support it. It's like... That's where we need to be moving to as we go into our higher consciousness. It needs to yeah. be blended, combined. Well, and the yin-yang wouldn't be a yin-yang without 
right? You have to have both. And, like, you wouldn't have the sun without the moon. Like, you, like if you just look to nature, all of it is, you know. It's always funny mm-hmm. when people ask me, like, are your horses male or female? And I'm like, you know, feel into it. But, like, with animals, you can't tell often just by looking at them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So there's something that's that androgynous piece, right, like that's already exists kind of in nature. Um, and I think it's so interesting, the whole, like, she, her, you know, they, all of the pronoun stuff, which we're not going to get into, but it's like there's some, you're seeing the blended stuff happen. And you mentioned before mm-hmm. it's not going to be feel male or female. My experience of, of 3D is it still feels very masculine and I have to, activate the feminine energy to balance it my experience of 5d is that there is no male or female energy in that there's just it's a it's hard to describe but like the times i've spent in 5d it's just very blended it's very pure it's very high it's very also very peaceful and grounded at the same time so it has that like feminine like but also that like grounded of the masculine but they're together and they're not separate mm-hmm. whatsoever. So you can't really feel there isn't polarity is my is my experience in five right. D. Right? right. So exactly. super yep. cool. That's right. So because we don't have a ton more time, I want to move to yeah. Crone in a second here. But um I just like love <laughs> that I've been on land called the Mother Ranch for the last five years of my life and so many of my clients have come to me with their own mothering issues. Um either how they've been mothered, how they're mothering, mothering their inner child. And it has been such a huge lesson for me, right, especially since you and I have had a lot of challenges in our past. Um, mm-hmm. And the Divas of Care Network is putting out Mothers and Daughters, which is a compilation book of beautiful stories um, for Mother's Day. And I know you and I will do a podcast in the future on what I, like, find fascinating, the mother wound and the sister wound, the sisterhood wound, too. Um mm. But now the ranch has taken over over the last, like, year and a half by a grandmother. So I now, like, jokingly call it the grandmother ranch <laughs> because <laughs> it now moves into this crone energy. So tell us about, like, what is this last kind of stage, so to speak, in the archetype of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, you know, it's so funny. The word crone, I mean, it, you, you read it in, through uh, all the research. It's very common, but for many, many people, and I must speak for myself, but I believe it's true for many people, the word crone has a uh, concept, old woman, bent, almost the old witch type of thing, you know, and it's a negative. It's not a positive, and that's why I prefer the word sage um, because that is exactly what this stage um of this this aspect of the goddess is all about. It's a wisdom aspect. And it's, you get to a point in your life where it is not about, you know, just excitement and passion and ready to take on things, or is it about taking care of other people and, you know, doing the adulting kinds of things. But it really is about looking for transformation, internal and then also throughout your life where in your life have has there been a transformation has there been growth because usually with transformation it does mean there's been growth of some kind from one from one thing to another so i think when you look at the sage or the wise woman she's really guided by an inner truth 
that, and very often that inner truth um, comes from the heart rather than from the brain. In, you know, in very early years, we're guided by our instinct, you know, and that's the gut level brain. Um, and then as we become using our intellect more, we're guided more by the, the, the cranial brain, the brain in our head. But as we become older, we start to look to the heart for the answers, whether it's through intuition or just a more open attitude toward things. But that's where the transformation will take place at that point is, uh, is, is allowing that aspect to come forward. So, um, you know, when you look at the sage, what some of the, some of the things she governs, for example, aging and the ending of things, um, death and rebirth, as well as past lives. Um, when you look at, um, when you look at the triple, triple goddess in terms of Greek mythology, Hecate, is the one who comes forward as the wise woman. And she was the goddess of the Greek underworld. And one of the things that she did is she would help people um, with their own magic, whether that meant in doing shape-shifting or altering uh, other things around you, either by casting spells or, or what have you. But she... She is known as the person to assist with visions or making prophecy and some kind of guidance, but most especially through transformation. And um, I think she has a lot to offer people in today's world because we are becoming older. Uh, and I'm talking about, you know, America now, United States. Our population is becoming older. And we don't value the elders here the way some cultures do. So um, to look at, you know, the the sage, the wise woman with a different value, I think, would be really important in our culture. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because I kind of got a download about like how my work has changed too, to really helping people more with that inner stage, like the listening to their intuition. I've done the certification program for equine coaches at the ranch since the, it's been the grandmother energy. So it's much more about teaching. It's about passing on wisdom. So much of why I really wanted to do this podcast with you is because I was like, we have to have like, not, we have to have the legacy, right, a living legacy of your wisdom passed down, not just to me, but to everyone. And obviously all my friends were always like, when can I talk to your mom? <laughs> because they, <laughs> they love wisdom. Um, but there is, you know, and obviously the metaphysical teachings as well, passing those on. But there is something about teaching that happens more so when we hit this crone phase, you know, and um, or sage, you know, aspects so it's important because i know we spent a bit talking about greek goddesses but there's also obviously roman egyptian isis is one i think that you've always identified with well all egyptian Mm -hmm. yeah and then native american of course hindu african i was had a coffee recently with a client and she was talking to me about how she got really moved to experience shakti energy through dance and through like a different african goddesses um, and then Celtic, 
uh, obviously Chinese and whatnot. But and I um, did a workshop once for Goddess Epona at the ranch to really honor her and bring her story to light. And Epona is one of the major words in the equine coaching world. There's Equus, Epona, um, equine. Um, but they, Epona is the whole group um, of practitioners that really honor that goddess energy, the goddess of horses. Um, but you mentioned the earliest goddess in written evidence is a Sumerian goddess of love, fertility, and war. And mm-hmm. do you want to talk about her? Because I know you just got her book, a book about her. Yeah, I did. They uh, they just had a, um, a conversation, you know, with the author, Um her name is Shauna Zalazo, and it really was fascinating because what it brought up for me and why this this whole podcast is really so powerful, you can look at the myths, and, and anybody who's interested in this will now probably go out and check out some of the myths. Look at the mythology, but the mythology also brings you to a point of, you know, so, so you're looking at the myth of the goddess, and then it brings you to a point where it becomes personal. And so you look at your individual psychology and you want to find out how is this applying to me? Where is this, how does this show up in my life? And I think you said it right in the beginning, you know, there are positives and negatives about every everything because we live in a polarity and this universe is polar. And so when you look at something, you want to look, how do I want this to manifest in my life? This is how it is showing up. How do I want it to manifest? Are, as the mother, are you overgiving? Is Are you not um, taking care of yourself but giving too much? Whereas mother can be, in fact, if, if you look at the nine-star key um, numerology pattern, you know, there are three different forms for, for the mother. And the eight is so overpowering, they get burnt out, so on and so forth. That's not what you want. And yet you don't want to have people walk all over you. You want to be able to assert yourself. So it's fascinating when you look at it in so many different ways. Um, the goddess energy is showing up. We just have to become aware of it. How does it show up for you? Um, so one of the things, Katie, I just want to let our you know listeners know is that I, I am trying to do um, a short mini book for each of our podcasts. And it will be available on the Metaphysical Center's website. We're in the process of getting new leadership, a new board. And so our website is also being updated. But when this becomes available, uh, they will be able to access there. And so one of the things I did is I went through and looked up so many of the different um, archetypes that are available for the goddess in, in all of the different cultures. So they can kind of look at it and look at it and say, where where am I showing up as one of the as a judge, as a lover, you know, as a priestess? And it's pretty interesting. I, I think this will be a nice handout for people to have if that's something they're interested in. Yeah, for sure. And people can Google the Metaphysical Center of New Jersey for that. Um but just to reference back that Sumerian goddess is named Inanna and mm-hmm. the book you were referencing by is The Way of Anana, Heroine's Guide to Living Unapologetically. So that was supposedly one of the first goddesses. And um, 
I definitely love all of the different archetypes or like words um, that we've certainly heard. Uh, someone said to me Empress the other day. A friend said that. And I'm like, oh, I do love that word. Haven't heard it in a while. People <laughs> yeah. just published a, a book called, or excuse me, I just published a card deck, Awakening of the Equines, about 40 horse wisdom qualities. And I've the muse behind that was very much is very much a goddess energy and my friend actually when she got the deck she goes feels like an empress and I'm like I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> but then <laughs> even you have divas that care and diva is one of those words right and we're on the divas that care mm-hmm. network and um you know mystic is a big one in the metaphysical world word as well um so there's the, you know, and certainly we've we're there's a whole thing around the witch wound, and then there's a whole movement around being a queen, and so people have really taken a lot of coaches and authors and speakers have taken the goddesses and really you know tapped into the one that they feel most connected to, like some of these words. Um, there's the whole boss babe movement, right? That's a goddess movement mm-hmm. if you think about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, so I've always loved heroin as, you know, we're each the heroine of our own lives and our own journeys and stories and the hero's journey, you know, by Jessica mm-hmm. Campbell is super powerful for me. Certainly it's a little bit masculine <laughs> because it's just hero, but I love that heroine piece. So it is important for people, I think, um, to really identify with a word that, you know, or the wild woman, like I've done wild horse retreat you know before and getting in touch with the wildness is is definitely an aspect of the goddess so Mm -hmm. there's a lot here i think shaman is another one that you know is a is a piece to the goddess energy too but that's more native so Mm -hmm. a lot of cool stuff in this a lot of good books out there um and then i i have two questions for you as we kind of wrap up here one is who is your favorite goddess um, and, you know, and why? Um, and then also what is one way that either you currently feel like you're honoring the goddess or that you would suggest to our listeners to do to honor the goddess? Mm, good questions. Um, you know, it, I guess, you know, when I was studying the Egyptian mythology, obviously Isis was the one that I identified with the most strongly. Uh, she happens to be one of the mother goddesses, <laughs> if you had to put it in a category of the triple goddess. But she definitely had tremendous power, and she used it very, very wisely. But she could also use it to get whatever she wanted, and she was able to trick the god Ra, supposedly the supreme god, because she knew his name. So I love the idea that women can use their gifts and their their powers and their abilities um, in a way that serves them, not in a narcissistic way, but just service. And, and I love that. So Isis probably would have to be, you know, one that I would go with in terms of my favorite. Um, she was, her, her statues also I love. She is, is another one that is completely um, compared with Mother Mary in the Christian tradition, two of her that I know of is the one where she is sitting with the child on her lap. And I believe that's where Christianity took its concept of the paintings when they, they did Mary sitting with the child on her lap. Um, anyway, so that was one. And um, and then what was your second question? What's what? 
Well, what's a way to honor the goddess in day-to-day well, life? Yeah, and honestly, I do believe if each person would just find one of these archetypes and look it up, what does it mean? You know, when you read through a list, if you were to, as you, you've mentioned so many of them, you know, if you were to look at um, the queen, where are you a queen? And what does that mean? And how does that show up for you in a positive? And how does it show up for you in a negative? So take a look at your own life, if that's the best thing you can do, is where does the goddess show up for you? Because she is in all of us, <laughs> and it's just hmm. showing up in different ways. Yeah, I would say for me, it's definitely, I feel like I I always pray the most to Kuan Yin because of the goddess of compassion, because compassion is such a high value, you know, self-compassion, compassion for others, being a coach is, you know, having that skill set. Um, and she comes in a lot for my clients too, but her, Mother Mary are the two I probably bring in and call in the most. Um and compassion such a superpower. But I I have a whole goddess self on my altar for, you know, to honor all of them. I have Isis there from, you know, a print you brought back to me from, from Egypt for me. Um, and I have, you know, Mama Gaia there, and I talk to Mother Earth all the time. And so I feel and there's fairies and there's that connection too. Um, <laughs> I love how has wings because I feel like there's so much in that energy too and um, and then Lakshmi is there right again the goddess of mm-hmm. prosperity and I'll never forget mm-hmm. once I met I mentioned this on another the money podcast that we did but there I saw Yogaraj once who's a Himalayan master and he's really powerful um, living master and he took one look at me and he was just sitting on a couch. We walked up the stairs. There was no one else in the room besides, you know, my friend who was introducing me to him. And he took one look at me. And it was like, again, download. Of, and it was really, he's amazing at transmissions, um, which the horses do too, where like literally their beingness to their eyes can change and elevate your consciousness. So he just said to me, the goddess is prosperity. And I was like, my whole body just like flew open. Mm -hmm. And I really got that like money is a huge birthright as a woman. And money in the prosperity energy, the feeling like of like feeling rich and feeling luxurious and feeling comfortable and feeling well cared for and receiving and all of those things we talked about in the money podcast. Mm-hmm. is so much the feminine, the divine feminine, and that prosperity. So Lakshmi is another one that I, I love. And I think my suggestion would be, like, anything that puts you into spaces of divine feminine, whether it's nature, rivers, and, um, you know, just, like, comfortable, like, putting a comfortable blanket on you in the winter, right, and just, like, slowing down your breathing and closing your eyes and being willing to go within, and then calling in a goddess and seeing how, you know, she may show up for you when she starts working with you. They want us to talk to them the way the arch- – we haven't mm-hmm. done an archangel one, I don't think. But the archangels want us to talk to them. The masters want us to talk to them. My, one of my favorite card decks is the Ascended Masters deck by Dorian Virtue. So, you know, all, a lot of the goddesses are in that deck. And I pull them frequently and talk, you know, talk with them. So I think it's just like what I said in our intuition podcast too. Start having a conversation with them. 
to start having a conversation with them and then see how they live within you or connected to you or there to help you and then how you can be in that goddess energy for anyone in your life because it's so needed on the planet. It's so healing and it's so refreshing when you see mm. someone. I, w- I went to a goddess class once in LA and I was like, oh my God, this exists. This is so cool because I hadn't <laughs> seen it really in corporate America at all. So I was like, of course I bought the book and then I joined this goddess circle and I'm still like one of my best friends was from that night, that like book signing and goddess panel. So there's so much there as women if we open up to it and for men as well, like for men to realize mm-hmm. that this is a powerful um, like honoring and that they will actually feel more in their masculine when they honor the goddess and the feminine. They're going to feel good about it. So, mm-hmm. okay, I could go on, but let's I know. Here. Any final <laughs> sharings on this? Any final sharings on this topic for you? Um, oh, gosh. I think what you just said wrapped it up so beautifully, Katie. I would love to leave it at that if you don't mind. I mean, I, I think that's what we are just being asked to do is just go inside and find out where this energy lives and how we can bring it forth in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just start a connection, you know, as you listen to this, if there's one that you're like, oh, I want to know more about that goddess, like, yeah, do some research, see what books there are, listen to, you know, um, a podcast about that specific goddess, and I am a huge fan of having the statues in your home or on an altar, um, if that calls to you as well, to just really honor them, and, um, and then I just, they're right there for us as soon as that energy is right there for us as soon as we open up and connect to them and pray to them yeah. so i'm just so glad we did this and i love yeah, like, yeah, me too love this topic there's so much more that i want to study personally in this whole realm and at the same time i feel like how am i just studying this over the last couple of years when now we're going to move to like you know a more blended society but still we we need to know more about the goddess. That's why I'm glad we did this. So thank you for yeah. sharing, Mom, and doing all the research. And definitely the Metaphysical Center will have more on all of this in the future. So for our listeners, um, definitely join in for our next podcast. Uh, and, you know, stay tuned on the Mothers and Daughters book from Divas That Care. There's also, speaking of empowering other goddesses there's amazing women doing podcasts through the divas that care network as well and please check them out and listen to them and uh support uh, the, the sisterhood and the motherhood and all of that um both within yourself and within each other so huge thank you to divas that care as well and thanks so much mom appreciate you doing this with me today absolutely loved every bit of it kate thanks for listening everyone Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.